continue in worship, we're going to confess our faith together. The Apostles' Creed, the word creed, really is simply that word, I believe. Credo, I believe. And I trust that as you say this aloud uh, with us, that indeed this is what you believe. This is the basic belief of the Christian faith. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. Divine mystery. It begins with God in creation and it will end with resurrection. And so it's entirely appropriate we recite this together. Grace Bible, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered. Under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I should mention that when we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're not referring to any denomination or group of that nature. The word Catholic has a little C, and it simply means, in the Greek language of the New Testament, it simply means the whole of the saints, the whole group, past, present, and future. So, We're going to read from Matthew's Gospel this uh, Easter morning, the resurrection account uh, in this passage. I'm going to pick up the reading uh, in chapter 27, actually, of Matthew's Gospel. I invite you to open your copy of the New Testament to Matthew. Uh, it's the first book of the New Testament. Oh, about three-fourths of the way through, at least my Bible. Um, Let's pick it up at verse 57, actually, where we left Good Friday, a God's Friday, with Christ in the tomb. Uh, let's read a little bit of how he got there and then what happened subsequently on Saturday. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud. He laid it in his own new tomb, which he cut in the rock. He rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, it would be the mother of James and John, they were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day after this, uh, the day of preparation, after the day of preparation, and that would be more than likely Joseph's preparations, and that he made preparing Jesus' body. Well, the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he's risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. 
Pilate said to them, you have a guard, a guard of soldiers, and go, make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had been taken place. And when they had assembled the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient, a substantial sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I've, I share this little bit of family tradition, I think nearly most Easters. Uh, we live in darkness from th- Friday evening through Saturday and into Sunday morning. Now, we want to be safety conscious. So in the house, we do have night lights and, you know, small little things so we don't burn ourselves cooking and things of that nature. But no, no big overhead lights and things of that nature in the house from Good Friday service until Easter morning. Uh, we live out just that experience of darkness and the dawning of the new day. And that's how the text begins in Matthew 28, doesn't it? The next day, after the day of preparation, it says the next day, um, but it's actually at the shining of the day. At the shining of the day, then these, these events occur. Can you, can you imagine the shining upon us? And it, it reminds us that the light shines in the darkness. And then we see 
the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ as he emanates God's glory and his power. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and John, they had been with Jesus for quite some time. They stayed at the crucifixion, observing, mourning. They remained, even after Joseph of Arimathea had buried Jesus in the tomb, they remained sitting by the tomb site. They're, they're faithful women. And they love Jesus. And they come back then this early morning to do something that seems quite strange. To anoint a dead body that's been dead two days already, three days. One has said, love does this. Love that is grieving is prompted to do what from a practical point of view is useless. It honors Jesus, but it's as much the, the act for the, those that are in mourning and those who are grieving. Well, they arrive, but Jesus had been raised. He's been raised by the power of God. And it's that same power that raised Christ from the dead that raises our soul from deadness in sin to life in Christ. The angel says to the two women, Mary and Mary, come and see, verse 6. And then they do not only see the empty tomb, but they see the risen Lord and they clasp His feet. They've seen and they've touched. They've understood empirically as eyewitnesses of this resurrection of the power of God to raise the dead. The, 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 the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let these ladies peer in and to see the evidence. The other Gospel writers write similarly, including other witnesses, another uh, Joanna and Salome, a group of women that were attendant at these events. The apostles will also indicate that there, there are up to 500 eyewitnesses of this historical event. There are actually more documented witnesses of the resurrection of Christ than many other historical events that we believe without question. Our faith is indeed built and based on this tangible evidence. But how do we respond to it? And that's what we want to briefly look at in these uh, following verses. The, the resurrection reactions, the response to this resurrection. And how will you respond? The first response we'll call daunted. These are the soldiers who fall terrified to the ground uh, as though dead as dead men. We don't know exactly how many uh, soldiers would have been in this uh, detachment. Uh, but it is multiple. It's a plural form. Multiple of these soldiers are there. These are likely to be actual Roman legionnaires granted uh, this task by the governor himself. And now directly they're terrified at the angel. The angel's appearance. 
stands before them and they tremble and, shall we say, faint. Legionnaires fainting. Can you, can you picture that? Can you imagine? Well, this, this kind of fear is normal when you see an angelic being. Uh, they're, they're not necessarily the, the cute little cherubs you might see at Valentine's Day. In fact, cherubs are, are fearsome-looking creatures, even by biblical description. Now, whether this is a cherub, I don't know. It's an angel of the Lord, and he appears in great glory. But it is indeed this resurrection glory. And they fall as though dead. They're so terrified by the power of God. Now, verses verses 8 and following go on. uh, After these women have been uh, also encountering this same messenger of the Lord, this same angel. And they too are afraid, but the angel says in verse 5, do not be afraid. I know that you're seeking Jesus. No, no other title, no Christ, no Lord, just who was crucified. Simple, earthy, understandable. I know you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He's been raised. Come, look. He's not there. Now go tell the disciples that he's not here and that he's raised and he's going to meet them in Galilee. And these these women who had been through the whole ordeal, they hear the voice and what do they do? They obey. They go. And that, that's a mark of this devotion. It It's a devotion that obeys. And, and it's when... A person obeys the direction of God and then Christ appears and meets with His people. And that's what happens. Verse 8, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. You wonder how can fear and great joy come together? Well, we have experiences like weddings, uh, birthings, Fear and joy all mixed together. Good, good things, but awesome things. In fact, doesn't the psalm, Psalm 2 says, Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Wow. Kiss the Son, you who would serve Him. Well, this is, in fact, what what, uh, Mary and Mary do. Verse 8, they behold Jesus who met them and said, who said greetings. And they came up, looked, and hold, held, hold, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Now, there was another Mary earlier in the week. Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus, whom God raised from the dead and brought forth from the tomb. That Mary anointed these same feet of Jesus. Real devotion and adoration bows in the presence of Christ. Yielded, submitted, devoted unto Him. And here we have this great joy, great fear mixed together. Well, verse 11 to 15 give us a third reaction. We've seen the, the dauntedness or 
the deadliness. We've seen the devotion. Now here's an outright denial. While they were going to hold some of the guard. And notice it said some of the guard. Multiple witnesses of this account. Some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave them a sufficient sum of money. A better word actually would be substantial. And this is more than 30 pieces. It's a substantial sum of money. And tell the people his disciples came by night, stole them away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. Then this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Can you imagine these legionnaires, first of all, probably personally embarrassed at their own fear and trembling and faint-heartedness? Although I suppose saying you fell asleep is better than saying you fainted. But... Falling asleep on guard duty is, in fact, a capital punishment. That's why the religious leaders say, we'll, take, we'll, we'll protect you. I'm like, based on the story we've got so far, like, sure you will. But notice this, this outright denial. Now, it's interesting. The religious leaders receive the report... And it doesn't say they don't believe it. It doesn't say they disbelieve it. In fact, by their anger, by their reaction, it confirms they actually do believe in the resurrection. But they will not publicly admit it. They'll come up with another story. Sleeping? Sleeping? Really? All of them? at the same time that deeply 11 men of Jesus not trained in reconnaissance at all I mean couldn't even strike a blow to the servant's ear in the garden with the sword with a straight cut I mean those 11 bumbling guys in the garden and you didn't hear them it didn't wake you you're going to believe that testimony Sleeping. And if, if not that, then the, the, they stole the body. Well, if that's just the story, then why don't, why don't you produce the body and show that the disciples don't have it and show that, that in fact, he's dead? Why, don't, why didn't they display the body? This, this does not add up, but it, it's certainly circulated, and I suppose it circulates even to this day. Why, why deny this kind of power? Why deny this kind of truth? I think we get a clue in that, that verse 12, a substantial sum of money. The, the Pharisees themselves, I mean, you can, you can acknowledge that soldiers are going to be a bit mercenary in, in their in their outlook. They didn't get paid well. The work wasn't all that glorious most of the time. Eh, spoils. All right. We won't excuse them, but we can at least understand. But the religious leaders, 
when they were plotting to kill Jesus, they, 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 I'll paraphrase from uh, John's Gospel. They said, if we let him keep going on, they're all going to believe him. And the Romans will take away our position and our place. And so from that day, they began to make plans to kill him. Okay, what was driving them? Position and place and prosperity and prestige, even their politics drove them more than the lordship of their own God in Jesus Christ. Desire for position and power and prosperity moves one to deny the power of God in the resurrection. What controls you? It gets more curious. Verse 16, another reaction. A mixed reaction. We'll call this one doubt. In fact, the word is there, isn't it? Verse 16, the eleven. Judas, already gone, went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Then the word is, fell at his feet, just like the two Marys had done. They fell at his feet and worshipped him as God, uh, based on this word. But some doubted. Doubted. These are the disciples. The twelve minus one. Now, we know their struggles, understanding what Jesus is getting at and what he's saying. We see those struggles. But how could they doubt? They, they've had several days to process this. They've heard the message from the women. Peter and John actually ran to the tomb after that message and saw themselves as well, the empty grave clothes in the very position in which Jesus had lied. They weren't unwrapped. They were there as He rose through them. They saw the empty tomb, Peter and John. They're told, they go to Galilee, of the, called Galilee of the Gentiles. They know that Jesus is going to meet them there. They know what to expect. So when he appears, why would they doubt? It's the same word. In fact, only twice is this word, this form of the word used in the New Testament. The other one is when Peter, Peter who gets a little hot shot uh, in, his, in his ego and he starts walking on the water. And then when he looked, when he, he, he got his eyes away from Jesus and he doubted and he began to sink. So not that he didn't believe that Jesus was there, but he hesitated in what to do with this Jesus. Now, why would, why would these 11 hesitate in the presence of Jesus? Well, do you remember the last time that they had been with him? How did they respond? They ran away and left him alone. And now they're going to see him again. I wonder what he's going to say to me. 
wonder. I'm afraid of what Christ is going to do and say. I'm here obediently, but I don't know I really want to be. It brings to my mind back way back in Genesis and the story of Joseph who had been sold into slavery for a substantial piece of money by his brothers who report to their father that he's dead. Bringing their father down emotionally, heartbroken. And then the famine and all this, and, and then those, those boys appear before Joseph, who is now the second in command of the world empire at that time, Egypt. And Joseph reveals himself to them. And they're terrified. They don't deny that it's Joseph. But what is he going to do to me for what I did to him? That's probably the emotion that's here. We sang Friday that, that classic hymn, I crucified him. My sin placed him there. He bore my punishment. And now he's raised from the dead. What do I do? with my guilt, my shame. Jesus has come. Well, Jesus is gracious and gentle, isn't He? John's Gospel gives us more of the scenario and the vignette. But we have to cry out with that other disciple, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, verses 18 to 20, Jesus gives direction. He gives a direction and, and they go. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel ends where the gospel began. I am with you. That's his name, Emmanuel. God with us. Book ends the book. Full circle. The work of Jesus complete. Indeed, it is finished. And here he gives, he gives a person forgiveness. And not just forgiveness. A mission. A direction. Yes, these 11 bumbling guys. He commissions to go as his ambassadors and to make disciples. Both meetings, whether it be the two Marys or the 11 men, Jesus gives them a task. Go tell the others. And that's what we are. As a resurrection community... People who respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, hopefully with that devotion, overcoming the doubt of our past, but with a future that is sure and filled with hope and joy. Joy inexpressible and filled with glory 
And he says, go, make disciples. Tell the world who I am and what I have done for them. And part of that is here in Galilee. Galilee is called Galilee of the Gentiles. Go to the nations. Galilee of the nations. We have a new direction. The world behind me, the cross before me. That's the new direction. And here, one of the aspects is this baptism, which we'll just simply highlight quickly because that's where we're going. Water baptism is this symbol of a change of direction. We're going to read the baptismal vows in a few moments. And it's a turning. Turning from the old way of life to the new way of life. And these are able to make this public testimony of that turning because indeed they've been made alive. They've been raised with Christ. Born again in spirit. No longer dead in sin, but alive to Christ. Eternal life. And so they make this profession. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's a sign that the Holy Spirit has made them alive in Christ. The water doesn't do it. It's simply a symbol. They're saying, He did. It, it's a union with Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. United with Him. Raised with Him. And, and it's an ordination ceremony. It's, it's the washing and the pledge that they belong to the new covenant priesthood, the priesthood of believers. That's the first thing that would happen at the priest's ordination, right? Wash. And then worship. So, dear friends, I don't know which of these responses you can identify with this morning. But I, I hope and pray that the glory of Christ will overtake you. And, and the shroud of denial would be removed from your heart. And loved ones, may the doubts of your past, your shame, your guilt, may those too be removed from your conscience. Would you rather know the tender love and forgiveness a new direction of life that Christ gives you. May you follow Jesus this Easter morning. May your life be devoted to Him as He gives you a new direction. Father in Heaven, we thank You for this testimony of the glories of the resurrection. Lord, we come and we ask that You would make us to be the devoted ones. We praise You for Your glories in the face of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.